Hey guys, welcome into the Corked Up Podcast. I'm Jack, he's Frank. Uh, today we're going to just diving right into it. going to be talking some basketball. I'm not even going to bother trying with an episode title. I didn't have one ready to go, so I'm just not going to stumble my way through it this time, Frank. Um, we have more important shit to get to. Uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks are your 2020-2021 NBA champions. Um, my God, Frank, approaching August... And we finally get an NBA uh, championship, you know, named. So um, definitely a late season. I kind of, I honestly kind of liked it a little bit more than like, you know, early, mid-June. Because now, Frank, we only have like a month before football really starts. I, I yeah. kind of liked it. Before we get into the Bucks, did you like that it was kind of, a you know, a little bit longer? It, I mean, the season was shorter, obviously. They didn't play as many games. They started later. But... They finished later. Did did you like that? I, I to be honest with you, I want them to start later as well. Like they should start like January or February, to be honest with you. Yeah. And yeah. and it end around this time, maybe even early August. I wouldn't be upset with that whatsoever. Cause I just think like when you're in the middle of football season, come October, I don't give a damn about because it always starts around Halloween, right? Like the first game right. is like Halloween. I don't care about when I was a kid, I did, you know, like I busted out my Eddie Curry jersey and fucking my Bulls hat, but I can't pay make attention it, to everything at once. And you like, I just can't. I'm I'm, I'm make, all in on football. Yeah, make it make it a 60 game season. Start in January, like late January, and then just go like just just go. I think 60 I'd be games for, would be, I'd be all for would, that. I, I think 60 would be plenty. Um, I think you eliminate some of the games that just don't feel like they really mean anything because you got everyone sitting you know, for, for that amount of time. And I think it makes the regular season matter that much more. I, it I makes think the that would... it makes the regular season matter more. The rebuttal to that though is always, Oh, well you lose out on money. Maybe I sound dumb here and I'm not an, you know, economist or anyone who has to, a financial person has to deal with these numbers. If you have less games, wouldn't you just charge more for yeah. ads and contract? Yeah. Like that's what I've never understood. And maybe, maybe it's because I'm, I'm ignorant to that. But to me, if you charge, you know, 10,000 per ad across an 82 game season, if it's only going to be 60 games, now I'm charging 15 or 20,000 because it's less yeah. games, it's more exclusivity. Maybe I'm off. I, I know there has to be more to it than that, but that has always been my rebuttal to that rebuttal. Yeah, and you charge more for ticket prices, concession, like you just up the prices a little bit more because you're not going to be going to the games as much. That's yeah, that really is. Well, that answer and, that. and that sort of dawned on me because me and my wife took a walk uh, with our son the other day and we walked past. We live right by Sox Park. She's like, oh, man, I, I never realized that baseball games were pretty cheap. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you can like walk up depending on the day and get some for like 20 bucks, especially Sox tickets have historically been pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, and I was like, even the, you know, expensive Cubs tickets are like 70 bucks. They're not. And she's like, well, why? And I was like, well, there's 81 home. Games. Like, it's a lot of home games. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have to charge that much versus like football. There's 16 games. There's only eight home games. They're charging a ton to make yeah. that money up. And and like my mind sort of equated it the same way. And I, again, maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you make, if, if your, if your games matter more you people will justify paying more money. Like it's just, people, it, yeah. It's, well, and, and I would think that the average viewership would go up as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you I mean, you're not watching, uh, you know, a Tuesday night. I mean, unless you live in Chicago, like a bulls, I don't know. Give me, give me a bat, a Hornets or, game. Like you're not watching, oh, I was going you're not with watching Orlando. Hornets. like, and it, it kind of gives them more leeway to, to put better marquee matchups up there. So, um, yeah, I, I I know we kind of got off track a little bit from from the main story, but I I, I thought that was I I kind of liked that we're only now what like a month out from from like really getting into like preseason and stuff like that. Yep. Like it's 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 coming up quick. So um that just just wanted to share my thoughts on that. And Frank, I'm glad that you gave yours. Um, NBA Adam Silver, if you ever want some more advice, you just come on the Corked Up podcast and you can tell us why that's the fucking dumbest thing you've ever heard. Um, we know you're listening, so, you know, feel free to uh, reach out to us and we'll we'll put you on the on the podcast. But, uh, Frank, let's get into the main topic of today. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks winning in six games, um, just four game domination uh, against the Suns um, after being down 2-0. You and I, after the second game, 
I don't know. I, I, cause I gave him five games. I was like, all right, Suns win four, one, you know, let's, let's get to it. You call for the sweep. And uh, after that second game, I was like leaning towards what you were saying. I'm like, I don't see how they win a fucking game at all. Cause of those two games. I mean, th- those were two really, really impressive wins for the Suns. Uh, and then things kind of just fell apart. What, what were you kind of thinking while you were watching the series? Um, you know, I, I know we have a lot to say about Giannis, but I, I think let's start, we'll start more generic and we'll kind of, kind of circle in, kind of enclose in on the, on the main topics there. Yeah, I thought, well, first of all, I was completely wrong, obviously about the series. I thought the Suns would completely dominate, um, and I remember my exact sentence being the way I boil down series is who can play better half court basketball. And the one thing I don't think I was wrong about was that offensively, the Suns are a better half court basketball team. I think that remained true, you know, throughout the series. The one thing, though, as the series progressed, that really became prevalent was that the Bucks half-court defense was far superior to Phoenix's half-court defense. And that's not mutually exclusive, meaning like just because the Suns were better offensively, the Suns' defense rose to that level, and then it gave them a lot more opportunities on the other end, even to create you know uh, fast-break opportunities in scenarios that we don't really see that often in the NBA Finals or in the playoffs. So that was one thing I really didn't take into consideration, to be honest with you. And as I kept seeing that, I'm like, you know, one, Giannis may be the best rim protector. There's not very many rim protectors, but he may be the best rim protector in the league. I mean, this guy, like, whether it's help side, whether it's on ball, if you go to the rack, he is so long and explosive that he's going to catch up to you and at least challenge the shot, if not block it. And that made such a difference down the stretch from games three to six. And it was just, you know, something that I did not take into consideration was the defensive side of things. And granted, I don't watch nearly as much basketball as someone like Nas, who, who if he was here, probably even before that, he would have made note how good defensively that Milwaukee was. But yeah, that was like the, the, the underlying thing for me before we kind of dwindle down and get into, you know, Giannis and different things that I, I saw from him. But generally speaking, their half court defense was phenomenal, man. And I just didn't I didn't give them nearly the credit that they deserved for that going into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. The, the defense really played into things. I mean, I was, you know, taking a look, um, you know, game one, obviously lead scorer for the Suns, Chris Paul with 32 game two, Devin Booker 31. And then they go to Milwaukee <laughs> and Giannis and, and drew holiday and, you know, Chris Middleton and, and Brooke Lopez and those guys really, really kind of tuned in. And um, Jay Crowder was the leading scorer in that Suns, you know, game three with 18 points. Jay Crowder in a playoff series should never, ever, ever be your lead, <laughs> should ever be your leading scorer, uh, especially if you're in the finals. Um, I think that goes to show that the Bucks, you know, really did what they needed to do to kind of really turn on the the defensive, the, the clamps, if you will. I've always wanted to say that. But then you, you look at game four, Chris Paul, 10 points, uh, DeAndre Ayton, six points. Like Devin Booker scored 42, but I mean, he was basically, you know, that was what everyone was complaining about with, with Giannis. Oh, he's doing it all himself. He's, you know, he needs help. He needs help. And it's like, well, that it just kind of, the, the whole script kind of just flipped once, once they got to Milwaukee. And I, I don't think the, uh, the Suns really ever recovered in terms of trying to figure out exactly what to do different, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, there's one thing that I hate about that. He needs help, that that type of thing. Yeah. That is the help. The other right. team is defending the help well. You know what I mean? Like, people have said that, like, oh, he, I would completely understand if that was like that every single game throughout a whole season or most games where it's like, this guy has to score 60 for them to win. He literally needs help. But you can't say that when people start having bad games. They've been doing that to LeBron his whole career. His team's amazing. They win 60 games and they get to playoffs. And so you need fucking help. No, they're shutting down the help. <laughs> that's how that's how this works. Teams game plan for your help. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's that 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 has been a very and because I saw that too. Devin Booker, like 
Chris just scored 32 games ago. What the hell are you doing? Like, because to me, the reason that that bothers me is because you take you're taking away credit from the other team. You're acting like they're not doing something to make them that way. You know what I mean? Like, and th- the reason why I get so bothered by that is because I see that a lot in boxing. And I remember it always happened with Floyd Mayweather. Oh, if so-and-so just did this more, he would have won that fight. Oh, if he, and it's like, why do you think he's not doing that more? Floyd right. made him not do that. He made adjustments and like, it's the same thing with these games. Like that's why Chris started to play bad because Drew Holiday started locking him the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like Drew started playing ball against this guy. Stop trying to act like Chris just sucked. He didn't. He, he was still doing his thing. It was just, he came across an elite defender. You yeah. know what I mean? Like pe- people act like people act like, oh, they just decided to play bad that day. Like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, the, the Bucks really zeroed in on what makes the Suns work. And you see it when Devin Booker has 10 points in a game. Like he shot three of 14 and that was game four. That or that's when, or game three, excuse me. That's when things really started to turn around. Um, it was just kind of interesting that, you know, Bucks fans, Frank, you and I know that they still hate, uh, they still hate Bud now, but it's like he, because their biggest complaint was that he just didn't make adjustments. Well, obviously he did something different because it started fucking working. Like, I think he deserves a lot of credit for how that defense really was able to turn things around and, and keep guys uh, off the board. I mean, like you look at last night's game, um, all transparency, we waited until Wednesday to, to record this podcast because we wanted to wait, see how game six went. Devin Booker shot 0 for 7 from three. And he shot eight of 22 in a, in a, in a closeout game. Like they figured out how to stop Devin Booker. And I think the defense, I, I, again, we started this, this conversation by talking about how the most impressive thing that Frank and I really didn't think too hard about was how good the Bucks half court defense could be when facing a, a Suns team where it just looked like, Early on, they had all the answers, right? They just attacked Brooke Lopez. DeAndre Ayton was was playing in big. Uh, McCall, Mikhail Bridges was playing well. And then, I mean, the Suns did deal with some injuries. Like that, you know, that they, they're relying on Frank Kaminsky in, in 11 minutes. Like Dario Sarge was, he got hurt. So that obviously made an impact. And yeah, I mean, their starters just didn't really make the plays for the Suns the the way that they did in the first couple games. Like something, I don't know, Frank, something just felt off after that, that second game. Um, I really think it was as simple as they just couldn't make adjustments to what the Bucks were, were had adjusted from something we've talked about a, a ton when it comes to rookies. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was impressive. Let's let's just, we, I think we no, can leave I, it at that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think going on the lines of impressive. So this may this may sound weird, but I think you're going to understand. And I think the people who listen to us are going to understand what I'm what I'm saying right now. One of my one of well, my, my couple gripes with Giannis were obviously never as a person. He's a great guy. Like interviews, I see him. He, he's awesome. He connects with the fans. His play style, especially in the half court, was very, very reckless. And he seemed to have like one gear. I mean, he was like a bigger Russell Westbrook in a lot of effects. Like he just got the lane. It looked ugly, drew a foul and then couldn't shoot free throws. You know, like regular season, it works because there's a lot more fast breaks. It's a lot more free. I never trusted him in the half court. And the fact that I think Bucks fans, you know, that listen to us, we have some Wisconsin and Packers fans and such. I think they can concede to this. He really only has a couple of moves. He doesn't have, you know, the extensive repertoire that, you've seen from even someone like Devin Booker, you know what I mean? And he didn't shoot the rock very well either. So in my mind, it's like, what else can you do in the half court to propel your team? And the one thing, you know, because in my mind, it's like you have to develop a jumper. You have to get at least like a 17, 18 footer. Obviously, that's still never come. The one thing that he did that has never crossed my mind that he would be able to do, or even like anyone, not just Giannis, like, that I would classify like that. He slowed the game down so well. Like he, he, he stopped the one gear thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, he was yeah. able to slow the game down at, you know, or, or maybe not even slow it down, but like continue at that slower pace and really take advantage of the strengths that he does have on a basketball court, which are his explosiveness, 
his athleticism, his strength. At no point in this series or in the Hawks series that I feel like Giannis like just went to the rack completely out of control and was like, you know, where it was like it was like the almost the, the full intention was to go and make contact by the rim versus like really go up for a shot. Like I never felt that this series at all. Yeah. And to see him operate that way was so impressive to me. Because again, my thing in my mind for Giannis to get better, it had to be a jump shot or just get more moves in the paint, get a post-up game, which still isn't here. He still has time to develop those. So in my mind, going against such a good half-court team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I'm like, what is this guy really going to do? And he just was able to really utilize his strengths in the half-court. And, and I mean, if he does that for a full season, you know, yeah, you're talking about at least the, the, the like, well, at lowest, the third best player in the league. Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I just never expected him to be able to utilize the strengths that he does have in the half court set. And he did that all series and looked fucking phenomenal. And that's all credit to him. Again, I've come on this podcast time and time again. I will make predictions, but I'm not Skip Bayless where I'm going to move the goalpost and be like, well, he actually didn't know. <laughs> he proved me wrong, man. And I'm proud of that. I think that's awesome. I, I, I'm always up to be proven wrong. I, I'm, I'm never here to make predictions and then continue on on this hill looking like a fucking idiot when I'm wrong. I was wrong, man. He proved me wrong and he gets all the credit in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the biggest things that he was obviously able to do, the free throw shooting, right? Like, I mean, that was another one talk yep. about the beginning of the series. It really wasn't all that bad, but it, you know, could have been better. He missed five in the first game, six in the, in the second game, four in the third game, four in the fourth game. And then he missed uh, he missed seven in, in game five when everyone was like, you know, making fun of him and, and, and this and that. He missed two in game six and shot 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Like that, to me, that was one of the best closeout game performances by anyone that, that I've ever seen in an NBA finals. Like 50 points, 14 boards, five blocks. Like he literally did everything he needed to do to win that game. And I loved that. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Cause you look on the other side and, you know, Devin Booker, obviously we talked about his poor performance shooting the ball and they, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like we, we didn't really think too much, you know, matchups would be that much of a problem, but I mean, you really look at that Suns team and they're, they're, they didn't have a Drew holiday, like a guy who could just absolutely lock down their best player who was Giannis the entire series. Like they didn't have someone who could just, stop him from getting to the basket but he was just able to do whatever he wanted and it's like I think there is there's still obviously he's only 26 like there's a ton of time for him to you know continue his jump shot and, and you know learn to shoot threes and this and that um that was that was one of the more impressive games I, I think I've ever seen like he just dominated start to finish and it it kind of makes you wonder why he wasn't doing more of that in the first couple of games. Like, it looks like he was still kind of getting his knees under him. Obviously he missed the last two games against the, the Hawks series. Um, but I, I don't know what else you get. Like what, what more do you need to see to just be in awe of that performance? Like, do I think he's, he's the best play? There, there was one thing I saw, uh, obviously the James Harden interview was getting passed around today. Yeah. Well, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. One where he talked about, you know, Giannis not having skill. He has, you know, Harden has more skill. And people are like, oh, whoa, look at that. Look who has a finals. And it's like, I still get what, what James Harden is saying. Because you watch Giannis and, I mean, do I think he, he has skill? Of course I do. He's not, that you don't drop 50 and 14 and a five block game with no skill. But I, I, I understand because basically what James Harden was saying was, I would love to be a seven-footer who could just run to the other end of the, the, you know, the basket and dunk the ball. And that's basically what Giannis was doing the entire fucking series. Uh, it just happened to, to work, and they didn't really have anyone who could stop him. Um, so I'm not going to say that, that James Harden is necessarily wrong. I, I think we should, we should probably clear that up in terms of being a more skilled basketball player, but... What I will say is, like, I mean, 
he won the, he won a title before James yeah. Harden did. Like, yeah, and I think again, and that's why I said it. It, it sounds weird because he didn't really change anything about his game this whole playoffs and specifically this series. It's the fact that he slowed it down. He added like gears to it. It's almost like you, he added a you know. He was like a pitcher who had a four-seam fastball and a two-seam fastball, and he added a changeup. You know what I mean? Just like an off-speed yeah. pitch to keep you all like it wasn't just like zero to 100 going right to the lane doing thing. And I, I you know what? Now, now that I'm thinking about it, because I forgot about the knee injury, I think that helped him more than it hurt him. Where it's like I probably have to fucking relax a little bit. Like I can utilize my explosion and my strength without yeah. going to 100% every time I go to the rack. And that's what it right. looked like. I mean, it reminded me, do you remember um, this past season? Well, really, like the last couple of seasons were like, Derrick Rose clearly isn't as explosive or fast, but it's like the game just seems more controlled for him now versus when he was just this explosive demon just going to the lane and do, you know, like creating contact. Like Giannis has seemed to adopt it. I don't mean like literally from D. Rose, but like that sort of mentality. Like I don't need to go 100 all the time. I'm still stronger than people. I'm still, you know, more explosive. I can create an angle Versus like just brute force because that's not what it looked like this series. It didn't look like yeah. him just using it. You it like it looked like him really picking his spots and it, it was awesome to watch, man. You made a you made a comparison to a pit to uh to like pitch types and um I mean you see it all the time with pitchers who maybe were starting pitchers and then they're in a bullpen role or they you know like I, it obviously. Not a great example. It didn't really work all that well. But Jake Arrieta, a guy who could throw 95, you know, consistently had to become more of a finesse pitcher. Like he's not going to burn it past guys anymore. Mm -hmm. He has to be a little more crafty and deceptive, change his play style a little bit more. And it takes time for some guys to do that. So um, when you when you talk about Derrick Rose, I think that's a perfect example or. I mean, any number of quarterbacks where it's not just, you know, they can throw the deep ball their entire career. Then they start getting a little older. You know, how can I still be successful? Um, obviously, Giannis is not an old man. He's only 26. Like, right. I think that's the thing that's craziest to me. Like, he's only 26 and he looks like that. Like, he can still grow into himself a little bit more. Like, this is this is I, I'm not going to say this is the only title that the Bucks will win, Um because I don't think that's necessarily true as the NBA starts getting a little bit older and changes. Um, I'll say that he gives them a very, very, very good chance night in, night out to, to win an NBA title. Yeah. I think, you know what, I think a good conversation to have, and I, I, I would love Nas's opinion on this as well. You know, the way that like generational talent changes the game, like you, you either like try to get the next one or you try to get something to combat that. Yeah. I wonder because you're not going to find a Giannis just growing on a tree. Like he's just an athletic freak, right? Like, so I wonder as you're talking about sort of the changing of the guards, LeBron is older. He's going to retire soon. Some of these guys are, are, are just getting old. Do you combat that by having like just more rim protectors? Do you just go for like a couple seven footers for late in the game Granted, this is all dependent on if Giannis gets a 17 footer, that didn't even fucking matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but if his play style stays this way, does the whole culture sort of shift literally to stop him? Because, I mean, DeAndre Ayton, for as good as a defender is, he, he could do nothing to this guy in the paint. Like, you're, yeah. you're going to need like a bona fide five that just clogs the paint against this guy. And even then, I don't know how, you know, like, historically I, I'm thinking back to even recently like guys who I think would really give him trouble in the pain you think like you you have to think of like the elite of the elite the Dwight Howard's in his prime the the Ben Wallace's in his prime like dudes who are just fucking jacked and strong and physical and like those guys didn't exactly grow on trees either <laughs> you know what I mean like it, it's yeah. gonna be interesting man because as we continue to go on I mean I don't think you can argue that he's I, and Again, this was something I was wrong about as well. Obviously, it's open to be debated, but I, I, I wasn't on the Giannis as a top five player. To me, he is now. I mean, he, he showed me enough that he's definitely earned top five. So you think about some guys who may be getting older or continue to get hurt, like a LeBron or AD, he may catapult to three or two or one well, if so, AD gets hurt again. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, yeah. man. Like, the, the, he, he may change the full scope of the NBA over the next three to five years. 
One, and so before we started recording, that I, I told you I was going to ask you a question, and I'm going to do it right now because you just brought it up, uh, brought up the name. If you were an NBA franchise, right, and, and you were starting your team, and let's just say you had, like, the third pick, right, and, okay. you know, Trey is gone or Luca, whatever, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just saying that not the number one pick, but... You're sitting there, and you can go AD or Giannis to build your franchise around. You're going Giannis, right? I mean, like not even close, right? Like that's. No, I mean, we we saw we saw what an AD led team does, and people can paint like those Pelicans teams were bad when he was in the playoffs, and he still balled out. But again, it's like, you know. No, numbers only get you so far. What what do right. you know what I mean? Like, I didn't necessarily watch all of those series. I know his numbers were phenomenal, but I've also seen and I hate to pick on LeBron, but I've seen it from him a ton. He'll get a quick ten in the fourth quarter when they're down by fifteen or twenty, and the game's over, and it's like, oh, well, you got fifty, and it's like, did would how did that help? Like, I was actually watching. It's a whole series this guy has, and he broke down Westbrook and LeBron, a lot of players in the league. And they broke down the 2014 finals against San Antonio and what his what LeBron's numbers were when they were down by 10 or less. And they were awful. And then when they were down by 15 plus, they were fucking amazing. And he's like, so what did these stats actually mean? And again, I hate to pick on LeBron. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But what I'm saying is like we saw what AD did leading a team. Sure, he got his numbers that getting your numbers isn't conducive to winning. I don't care what people think. Zach Levine. <laughs> Well, that, that's that, that's what I mean. Like, that makes you good at basketball. That doesn't make you good right. at winning. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just watched AD. I'm sorry. I just watched uh, – Jesus Christ. I just watched Giannis there put on go. a fucking show, and not once did I feel like, oh, he just chased down an uncontested rebound for that triple-double. Oh, he just – he's looking to get his last assist. Like, he just played in the moment and did what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like I see. And and that's another thing that I I give him credit for. We see a lot of guys play that way. They, they, you know, they got their ninth rebound and there's a minute left. They're going to chase down a long rebound to get the 10. Who fucking cares? Yeah. He doesn't play that way ever. And I, I love that about him. Yeah. I mean, he's involved in every single play. I think that's why, cause, cause you look and I mean, you, you never really, he's almost like Russell Westbrook when it comes, or, uh, excuse me, Russell Wilson, when it's like, where it's like, you look at his head and you, you watch him play and you're like, hey, Giannis is having a good game. And you look and he's got 13 rebounds. You're like, the fuck did he grab? <laughs> it's just because he's, he's in on every play. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not leaking on, on defense early. Right. He's not heading back the other way. He wants to be involved in every single play. And that's why he's able to put up those numbers and it doesn't feel forced like, with Russell Westbrook, where it's like, you know, yep. you know what he's doing when, when Russ is playing, like, you know what he's playing for. Um, and maybe that's not fair to Zach Levine to say that, you know, you can get numbers and, and not win, but it, it's, it's true. I mean, I think the best example of, of that is Kevin Love, like Kevin Love on the Timberwolves was an absolute fucking monster, but it didn't matter. Like yep. what he was doing did not impact how they were winning games. And I think that's how you know a sign of a truly great player is when they're able to put up big numbers, but their teams are consistently winning because they're not just putting up numbers. They're trying to win a basketball game, but they're doing it while just having, having you know, just happening to put up those numbers. That's the thing. Like, and that's the one thing, you know, we never really got to it with Nas about like the empty stats thing. I would love to know if there is someone who, who's kept track or like a, 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 you know, machine or algorithm that keeps track of this. Like I see like rebounds don't really matter anymore to a lot of guys, meaning like they're not contested rebound. Like someone will have 15 boards and like 12 of them are uncontested rebounds. You know what I mean? And it's like such a weird thing. And it's not, this isn't about Giannis. I'm just speaking in general. But to add to your point, what I'm saying is like we see it almost feels inorganic the way certain people play to get those stats versus like when I'm watching Giannis, I don't feel that way. I really yeah. don't. Like I just feel like he's playing each possession. And if he gets the board, if he gets the point, it like he's just playing it 
This sounds bad. For the lack of a better term, he's playing it the right way. He's not playing for stats. He's playing for the scenario. He's playing yeah. for whatever the situation calls for. And I just feel like they're like I, I get that from Kawhi Leonard as well. And that's probably why he didn't get very many triple doubles because he's not going for stats. He's just yeah. playing in a he's controlled playing. manner to affect the game. Exactly. And right. I get a lot of that from from Giannis as well. Well, I think part of it is that I don't know how many guys really know how to rebound with like the way that the game has changed, where it's just launching threes from pretty much wherever you can. It's like where, you know, I, I don't know if guys really understand how to rebound. And it's like, you know, it's easy for me to say that I'm not, you know, an NBA player. They obviously know how to play. Anyone in the NBA can play basketball. But what I'm saying is like, I feel like you're absolutely right. There isn't as much of an emphasis on on rebounding. And I think one thing that, that really makes me kind of think that is, I mean, we watched the, the Jordan 30 for 30 or whatever it was the last dance. And I mean, they talk about Dennis Rodman and like you watch like how, how he understood how to mm-hmm. rebound. He's like, if it comes off the rim, it's going here and I need to be here. Like he was, he was breaking it down. And like, I just don't know if guys really do that anymore, especially superstars. Like they'll, you know, the Brooke Lopez's, Robin Lopez's, those types of dudes. Yeah. They, they'll do that because that's how they stay in the league. But like Trey Young, you know, Luca, they they kind of just hang around and, and kind of just it, it feels like the ball like is just, long rebounds. Yeah, it, it kind of just goes to them. Whereas Giannis, yeah. I feel like he just goes and gets the ball. No, 100 percent. I mean, th- that to me is more like his explosiveness and reaction. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. That's the one thing I could never take yeah. from him. My gripes have always come from the fundamental technical side of basketball, which, again, I don't know if he necessarily had like he's improved from his rookie year to now with that tenfold. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but what yeah. I'm saying is I don't think he needs the way that James Harden describes, like I have to work on my game to do. I don't think he needs that as long as he's able to slow the game down this way and take advantage of what he can do. You know, like he, he found a way to still utilize his strengths without being, you know, at that top notch every single time. And I think for me, the most impressive thing in Bucks fans, Stick with me here, because this is, I swear to God, this is a compliment. It's not meant to be a slight or anything. I still think on paper, up and down, the Suns have a better roster than the Bucks, And that's what makes this performance more, even more impressive by Giannis to me, because he sort of closed gaps that I think existed with the talent on these rosters that not very many players can do. I mean, yeah. he just on both ends of the floor was phenomenal. And I think, you know, for we we just sort of saw him and the Bucks take the fight out of the Suns. By the end of game six, it was a three-point game, and it may as well have been a 50-point game. With 40 <laughs> seconds yeah. left, that game was fucking over. Like, Jay yeah. Crowder missed, like, two open threes, and it wasn't because he was tired. It was, they looked defeated, man. It yeah. just seemed like any time they struck – Giannis or Chris Middleton, and we got to go a ton of credit to Chris Middleton as well. We haven't even brought his name up once. He played phenomenal those last four wins. Yeah. But they took the fight out of them, man. Like they were just dogs. They, 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 you know, they, I think that they, you know, the, the, just seeing the will that Giannis had to propel his team. And even if I'm wrong about this, who cares? Because they won anyway, but it's like, to to beat a team who I thought was better than them, top to top to bottom. I I, I think you know the 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 Bucks were maybe a little bit more top heavy with having probably the best player in the series. But once you get into the rest of the the the, the roster, I thought the Suns had the better roster. And for Giannis to just to do that, man, that's impressive. I because a lot of people can't do that. I mean, we yeah. saw again. It's not to pick on LeBron. We saw him go in as underdogs in finals and lose every single time. The, yeah. the Bucks were an underdog in this. Let's make no mistake. The Suns were the favorite in this series. And then they got up 2-0 real quick. And I'm sitting on my fucking couch. I'm like, I was right. <laughs> That's it. Suns in yeah. four. This is it. This is my, my confirmation right here. But again, I'm not that guy that dies on that hill when I'm wrong. That makes that more impressive to me. And it makes it more fun, if I'm being completely honest. Like, being able to admit that we're wrong, it's it's a lot more... I I, I 
it's it's a lot easier to enjoy than having to be like, well, fuck, I said it was over in five. Like now I have to fucking defend it and, you know, pick, well, you know, the Suns lost because of this. It's not that, you know, they didn't do anything. The Bucks didn't win. It's the Suns lost. It's like, damn, man, can't you just sit back and enjoy it? It's like now all these people are fucking coming to Chris Paul and his legacy and shit like that. It's like, dude is still a Hall of Famer. Like, let's not pretend that Chris Paul isn't a lock for the Hall of Fame. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the sun siding and kind of, you know, does this, what the, what does this mean for the suns? Like, did, does this mean anything different? Does this make you feel any different about their future with, you know, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton? Um, you know, it's Chris Paul could very well leave obviously in the off season. Um, I don't know, Frank, what, what were your thoughts on the Suns after after game two, I guess? I think, you know, they're still a very young team. Their core is Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, who, you know, can't legally drink in, in, in these 50 states. You know, so it's like these dudes are puppies, man. I think this was such a good experience for them. I yeah. think they're going to learn a lot from it. Looking at specifically next year, who the hell knows? I think one thing's for certain, though, Chris Paul made an impact on that team that not very many players can. So whether that means he stays and they continue that or DeAndre Aiden and, you know, he leaves and DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker kind of take some of those qualities and, and continue to implement and grow, or they get another point guard who can have that same effect, who who that is. I don't know if there is another Chris Paul in the league right now, right? So it's tough, man. I I feel bad because I have I have a Suns fan who was you know really excited, and obviously nervous at the same time. But his sentiment was like, "This is the year. I don't know if we ever get back here again." And 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 I think Bucks fans can feel the same way, where it's like if the Nets stay together and they're they're healthy, that's fucking tough to get out of the East, man. This was the year. There were so many injuries that whoever made it healthy was like, yeah. if we don't win it this year, I don't know what the hell next year is going to look like. And yeah. that's what makes it so tough is that I don't know if either of these teams are going to make it back next year. And, you know, the loser of it has to really be kicking themselves because it's like, shit, man, everything went our way so far. Now, now, that's not to say they can't make it back even if teams are healthy next year, but it's like they weren't healthy this year and we did it, so let's let's just do the damn thing. And they just couldn't. I think to your other point, though, the one thing I will say, I don't know if it's had like a damning effect on Chris Paul's legacy, but we got to cut it out acting like he's the best point guard of all time. Magic got five fucking titles, my guy. Like we like cut it the fuck out. Like I get, and I'm not saying you, I just mean the general you. Oh, I know. I, I know. get, I get that. Well, now I'm saying you, Jackson, since you think you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, But no, seriously, like Chris Paul is a phenomenal point guard. He, he's the best point guard of this era. He's, he's, he's amazing. I'm not putting him above Magic. I'm not putting him above Zeke. I'm not putting him, uh, him above Steph. Well, I, I guess he's not the best of his era if Steph's here. There are guys who have won as the number one guy on a team. He he has done, and I hate that this sounds this way, but he's done nothing but blow leads in big moments. Yeah. He's he's blown a ton of 2-0, 3-1s. Point gods don't do that, man. Like, there, there, there are... I know we're nitpicking at the elite of the elite, but I can't put him in that threshold if this is what he's done his whole career. This was him winning this was the chance to say, you know what? Forget those three one leads. Forget the other two oh leads he had with the Clippers. He fucking did it. Yeah. He got his ring. He did it, you know, in a pretty organic way. Let's start mentioning. I mean, I don't know if I'm putting him above above John Stockton. What what differentiates him? From John Stockton, you know, like he doesn't have it's, a ring either. You know what I mean? It's, it's. I, I, I think there is something. It's not damning, but there's something there, legacy-wise, that this finals meant something. You know, it meant something to his legacy. It's, it's tough. It's tough for me to, to say that it really did anything to his legacy, and, and there, there, the reasons why. I mean, you, he ran into just so many goddamn super teams where it was just like, come on, man, like. <laughs> Cut the guy some fucking slack. Like, how many times did he run into the Warriors and almost win? Like, I, and and the Thunder even. Like, it's it's tough, man. He, I think he did all he could. I, I don't really think that it, it does too much to his legacy. I people are gonna say what they're gonna say regardless. Like, no matter what, even if he was 
you know, even if he won this one, I don't think people were going to like elevate him to, to where, you know, the status that you're saying. And, um, but I would say, you know, I, it's going to be hard to judge a lot of guys from, from this era with the, the super team era where it's just like, they just had no chance because they're just, these, these teams were just so good. And like there, there wasn't a whole lot they could do. Um, but yeah, if I'm a Suns fan, I'm not, I'm, I'm of course disappointed, but I'm still excited. Like you said, I mean, we saw the change that Giannis has gone through in the last, you know, however many years, eight years now. Um, DeAndre Aiden, not saying that he's that same type of player, obviously, but he's only going to get bigger, um, grow into himself, mature a little bit more. Same with Devin Booker. Like their their time, it, it may not be here quite yet, but it's it's coming. Like there is, we're starting to see that that change of the from old to new. We're starting to see it, right? Luca showed out. Uh, Trey Young proved himself to be a legit NBA superstar. Like we're starting to see that old guard kind of go. Um, and and you start looking at the West, and there's not a whole lot to be afraid of if you're the Suns, right? Like there's not a whole lot. A lot of teams that are, are more talented than than them. Obviously, you know the Warriors coming back 100% healthy next year. That's that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna be a lot different for for a lot of teams. Um, you know, depending on what they do. But yeah, I mean, if I'm a Suns fan, I, I'm 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 happy with where I'm at. I, I'm I'm excited to see how those two guys continue to grow together. Yeah, I mean, the West isn't nearly as scary as it used to be when we were younger, Mm-mm. and. And in the scope of the Suns, because I I, I just don't buy into Utah, man. I I, I mean, Gobert being the number two option, I, I, to be honest, if they had Aiton, if they flip, I probably feel the same way I do about the Suns, about Utah. <laughs> but I like Gobert, like, what does he bring you offensive? I get the defensive, but he gets so exposed in a lot of these series because you're playing against a big who can shoot now. You're not anywhere near the paint. They go small ball against you, and what are you going to do? Let someone who can shoot be wide open? You know, it's it's right. I, I find them tough, and you kind of go down the list. Like, I think a healthy AD and LeBron obviously are always going to be a threat, but we don't know if they can stay healthy. So, you know, taking that, you're not as scared. I think maybe Denver with the healthy Jamal Murray scares me the most. But even that said, like obviously Golden State, if Clay can get back, you really love their dynamic, but the Suns are in the thick of things, man. Like they, they have a lot to look forward to. But then I flip it over to the East. And shit, I don't think Milwaukee has much to worry about outside of Brooklyn. If Brooklyn can stay healthy, I think they're the best. I mean, those three are insane. That team, right? that but, team is going to win that series if but, if they had stayed. Outside of them, I like them yeah. better than Philly. And well, Atlanta, Atlanta's pretty. I, I would I would watch that series. I I, I wish like I can transfer Atlanta to the West and just have them go against each other for a, like a, for the final. Cause that would be phenomenal. Trey young versus Giannis. That would be amazing. But um, I think I like them better than Atlanta. Miami isn't I, like these two teams. I think both have a lot to look forward to in the future. And I, I'm almost ready to take back. And I wasn't even going to say this. So, but now that I, I feel less, less than I, I can sort of bring it out here. My stance going into this podcast that I was not going to share was that I don't think either of these teams make it back to the finals next year. And that's why I think the loser should feel like like shit is strong, but feel like shit because it's like you're not even going to make it back next year. But now I'm looking at the teams and I'm like, I think these guys still match up very well next year in these conferences. Granted, you have to stay healthy, but shit. I mean, I think they're both in good shape. I I think we're entering like – I'm going to be honest. This is the most amount of, of playoff basketball I've watched. Same. Um, pro- <laughs> probably since 20, since 2012, when, when Derek got hurt. That This is probably the most amount of consistent. See, like, I've watched every round. It's not just I Me watched all, you know, all six finals games. I watched every single round. And I think we're starting to enter in this this really exciting time for the NBA where they've got stars littered across the NBA. Like, as much as you want to talk about, you know, as, as as much as, you know, we we think Zach is maybe more of, you know, empty stats and stuff, like, I think this this next season is going to be, if if, it, if that jump is going to happen from him being a, a fun player to watch to a great NBA player, I think it's going to happen this year with the, the raw, you know, depending how they surround that roster, um, 
you know, you have obviously Dame and, and, and Portland. That situation is going to be kind of fun to watch to see if something happens there. Um, you know, Detroit having the number one pick like there there's some there's a lot of fun. I think that's going to be had because it's not just the Lakers and LeBron or, you know, the the Warriors anymore. Like even even with Steph and Clay fully healthy, like. I don't think that's a super team, right? Like it's a very no, good team. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. But but they're starting to kind of show some cracks a little bit more where they don't have guys at every single level. Um, you know, Andrew Wiggins being their third guy. Like, but you have you know you have Carl Anthony Towns in in Minnesota. You obviously talked about Denver. Um, in the East, you have you know Brooklyn, obviously. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I just think this is going to be a lot of fun moving forward. Next year, I, I agree. Is, next year may be really, really fun, man. It's it's giving me the feel like when we were kids again, where it's like almost every team has a guy that's at least fun to watch. Yeah. Versus like what what really took me away from the NBA was the LeBron versus the the Warriors for four straight years. Like that was the most like you just knew what was going to happen. You knew it yeah. was going to be those two. And it just it made everything else worthless to watch. Um, but I just think back, like as a kid, I could, you know, I, every team had maybe not a superstar, but again, just someone that made you pay attention. And I, I feel like we're at least with playoff teams, we're kind of there. Like I'm looking one through eight in the East, you know, you have Embiid, obviously the big three in Brooklyn, Giannis, Julius Randle, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, then Boston has Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Washington has Beal. And you go down in the West and it's the same exact thing. Like we had like these teams you have to pay attention to. And it's really, really fun. And I haven't felt this way. I mean, even when the Bulls were competing with Derek, it always felt like, hey, this is like a three team race, four team race. And maybe the Bulls can sneak in. But like looking at next year, man, it, it just feels outside of Brooklyn. They're, they're the only one that throws it all because if they're healthy, I don't think anyone beats them. But outside of that, like. There's a lot to pay attention to, man. And I'm really, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, I think for the first time in a very long time, I have the NBA over the MLB in terms of watchability and me really wanting to pay attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at, at some of the rookies this year as well. Like you look at LaMelo Ball, who's looks yeah, like yep. a, a potential dude in Charlotte. Like, there you go. Char- when was the last time Charlotte had a player that was, you know, worth tuning into? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Baron Davis. Yeah. Right. Like (laughs) not a a whole fucking lot in in Charlotte. So, uh, no, I I think, you know, we're 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 entering into a really fun era of of NBA. And, um, you know, I think Giannis is obviously going to be leading the way a little bit. Uh, We'll see (laughs) if he's able to continue that ride. Um, Obviously, you know, the the, we won't really be touching on the NBA draft too much with the Bulls not having um, a first round pick, unfortunately. So we may, you know, just do a quick review of of the picks. We're not going to go super in depth with it. Um, And we'll we'll definitely talk some Bulls with Nas. We want to get his thoughts on on what they can do this offseason, you know, who they can bring in, maybe what they can move if there's, you know, a point guard that he really wants them to go after. If Chris Paul is a potential fit on this team. There's there's a lot that we can do with the Bulls. And, uh, you know, before we get there, just blink and you'll miss it. And we'll be at the, the start of the Bears season. So we still have some fun things we want to do for the Bears. Um, you know, top 10 most important players to the, to the team. We definitely want to get into that a little bit more. And uh, we're still keeping our eye on the Aaron Rodgers thing. Because, uh, Frank, yeah. I don't think that story is going away anytime soon. Um, as much as Packers fans are just dying for it to go away and begging and pleading. So um, still got a lot to do. A lot of fun to be had. Frank, this was a good NBA season. I feel like we touched on it way more <laughs> than we ever did in, the, in our previous uh, outings with the Corked Up podcast. I agree. No, and I, I mean, I couldn't be more ecstatic. I mean, because the thing is, when I was a kid, like, and I think that's where a lot of my disappointment with recent NBA comes in. I watched the regular season a ton. Like yeah. I loved it, man. Like it was, and granted the parody wasn't always exactly there, but again, you could at least trick yourself into like, you know, fucking Portland may Scotty join Portland and you, you may go do a little something, you know, the baby bulls may be able to make a run. Gilbert Arenas may be able to shift things and didn't always want to be in like Kobe or Tim Duncan, whatever. But like there was just something there with, with every team and, and, 
You know, I I, I think we're, we're we're getting back to that man, and I, but I I truly do. Versus looking back, whether that was sort of like fake parody when we were kids, I think we're on the road to like real parody in the NBA, like we've never seen before in this yeah. league, which to me is fantastic because if you just add that element of parody. I mean, it's the the brand will be up there with the NFL, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot more to say. Um, and uh, yeah, Frank, this is uh, it's been a good season. I'm excited to get going next year. I I, I really want to see how the Bulls do, man, because the the East is kind of getting a little bit tougher here. So so we'll see it if is. maybe the Bulls can can push them, uh, push, push for a playoff spot. And it's been a while. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to some more bulls talk with, with Nas a little bit later, but, uh, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Like subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube. I've always wanted to say that too, Frank, but, uh, yeah, download us wherever you guys listen. We always appreciate the support and, uh, till next week, Frank, I'll talk to you then. Absolutely. Jackie has been an absolute pleasure. Giannis. I apologize, man. You you balled out. You proved me wrong, and I, I I was quite entertained by it, man. It was it it was awesome. And uh yeah, I think you know before we head out, we're we'll be touching on some NFL next week, uh some Bears topics coming up. But I know I, I want to preview because I'm really excited to talk about this topic next oh, week. Do, doing the uh the power rankings of worst to first, who we anticipate is going to you know go from last or has the best chance of going from last. To first, and uh, I'm really excited to dig in and kind of go back over the free agent acquisitions and, and what they drafted, and you know why I think the 49ers, if they were last place, I sure are going to win the fucking Super Bowl. Well, lose in the NFC Championship to the Bears, but still. Well, besides first. the Bears, yeah, yeah. Besides the Bears winning the Super Bowl, who's yeah. going to be you know first in other divisions other than exactly other than that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, Jackie, it, it's been phenomenal, man. Everyone who made it this far, we appreciate you. I know, I know our, our, our Bucks fans listening are, are going to immediately text me and, and make fun of me for, for conceding, but they would have made fun of me if I just died on the hill and kept moving in and saying Giannis still sucks. So I, you, you can't win, right? Uh, I'll make fun of you no matter what. Exactly, exactly. All right, Jackie, man. Talk to you next week. Later, Frankie.